those of you who are with us online, this is a very surreal kind of thing for us to be doing, and uh, we hope that, I hope that you feel, I've uh, been praying that you would just feel the presence of God in your home. As I'm looking around, I'm pretty sure that my son and wife and, and our grandkids uh, are at home with their B group. Uh, they were going to meet to watch, and I know there's others. If you're watching online, we're so happy to have you here. I give a very, very, very warm thank you to Mr. Chad Lowry to, for volunteering to put this on Facebook Live and for filming it today. So thank you so much, Chad. I don't know what we would have done otherwise. Uh, we're doing the right thing. We're here in God's presence with God's people uh, celebrating uh, God's goodness and opening God's word and asking him uh, to equip us for God's work uh, in our world, which is maybe needed more than ever for us to be the church. We're continuing our study in uh, the, about the 40 days of Lent. Here we are the third Sunday in uh, where we're encouraged to, to uh, recalibrate our lives to return to the Lord our God. But specifically today, I'm excited to talk to you about three things that we know. Three things that we know uh, here living under the shadow of the coronavirus crisis. Try saying that three times fast. And I want to contrast kind of two different sources of information. Uh, And the first is uh, right down that the coronavirus tells us, number one, you could have figured this one out on your own. We're in trouble, (laughs) right? We're in trouble. That's what we learned. That's what we're aware of in our culture. We're in trouble. And uh, you've seen our enemy, right? Here is our enemy, perhaps a little larger than we normally see it, but that's what we're looking uh, at and facing, uh, and yet in a microscopic form that we can't even see. How serious is the, pro- uh, the, uh, the problem? Well, uh, last week on Wednesday, I saw in our uh, local paper the number of uh, confirmed coronavirus cases starting at the bottom globally about 120 in the America under 1000 there was 938 in California 177 LA County there was only 28 so i felt some encouragement from that by thursday here's the, uh, another uh, look at similar information you can't see this maybe real quick, clear but uh, that's a map of the world you got asia you got the americas and you have uh, europe and africa uh, the total number of cases has risen to 128,000. The number of deaths, this is staggering to me, 4,720. Uh, and then uh, just last night, Saturday evening, uh, that number changed to 156,000 um, and uh, 58,000 deaths. And I'll leave this up for just a second. As we're worshiping and, and uh, uh, our worship team just kind of uh, took the lead from Pastor Brandon and went into, he's got the whole world in his hand. I just, uh, I was just staggered thinking of, uh, every one of us knows the impact of losing someone that we love. And there's going to be 6,000 funerals, 6,000 families and circles of friends who have lost somebody precious. And God, we just ask you to comfort, comfort those who've lost someone. Uh, We ask you to infuse in them the hope of the the resurrection and the promise of life that you give to us. But we're in trouble, men and women. There's a a little thing I want to point out in the bottom corner. I know it's not visible to you. You can look this up online. I think it's uh, Johns Johns Hopkins uh, University kind of puts this out. 
there's a little graph in the corner with three lines. The top line is orange. You can't really tell that, I know, but uh, that's the number of confirmed cases in China where this started in the Huey province. And one thing that's encouraging is that you can see that since February 1, it's almost leveled off in China. That's something we thank God for. We don't live in China. Uh, I had uh, our, our kids in China recently uh, for a, a layover, both going to and coming back from Okinawa. But we praise God that that has leveled off in China. They've taken some extreme measures, and they've seen some success. The second line is a green line, and that's the rest of the world, which has been catching up to China in the number of cases now. Uh, and you can see we're almost the same number of cases worldwide that have been just uh, started in China. The yellow line at the bottom is interesting. That's the number of people who have recovered so far, contracted the coronavirus, and yet they have recovered. And you can see the numbers, total confirmed 156,000, total recovered up in the top corner is almost 74,000. There's a high level of recovery for, from the coronavirus, and so we thank God for that, and we ask that that would continue. Uh, then there's been a couple of uh, phrases that have come into our vocabulary very, very quickly that all of us are familiar with, or most of us are, and we should be. The, the first is we need to, we want to flatten the curve, right? Flatten the curve. You know this, and you've seen some of these statistics, uh, some of these kind of uh, projections. Uh, the first uh, red curve is showing what happens if we don't take kind of preventative measures, uh, if we keep mixing uh, openly, widely, socially, physically, Without taking protective measures, we run the danger of doing what happened in China, which was overwhelming the healthcare system, hospitals, even the number of nurses. You saw they literally built hospitals in a matter of days. Uh, the uh, medical means with which to care for people. And the, the hope is that through preventative measures, that that curve, instead of being uh, steep and sharp like that, uh, would be flattened and would uh, be more gradual so as to not overwhelm our healthcare system. And so uh, a, a similar view to this, just another version of this uh, is here. Uh, and uh, it just shows the same picture. But the proactive measures that we've been encouraged by our government, by our, our health authorities, to try to slow the spread of the disease and reduce the burden on hospitals. And at the bottom, it suggests that we practice social distancing, like teleworking. I, my daughter uh, works for uh, USC, and all USC employees uh, are uh, telecommuting, working from home now. Limiting large gatherings in California, the limit is uh, 250 people, and we knew we would fall under that, and that's why we kind of chose to try to do two things. One is to minister to people who needed to come and wanted to come and be part of what we're doing if you're healthy, but also to minister to people who couldn't come at home, uh, reducing travel. Uh, and so we're practicing social distancing, but as Pastor Brandon said, we're trying to ask God to help us increase our spiritual and emotional connection somehow, even doing that, if we're doing that virtually online or if we're doing that uh, here, uh, we're hoping that everybody feels God's love. And uh, particularly for, let's pray for those people who maybe aren't able to figure out how to get onto FaceTime live uh, and maybe at home and uh, feel a little bit more isolated, that right now, God, by his grace, God can visit them in his kindness, and may God fill the room of everyone who is, maybe wants to be here and can't be here, or maybe is struggling physically. May God fill the room of everyone, uh, of uh, the people of Bethany. 
with his presence. Amen? Well, the fact that we're in trouble isn't news, wouldn't be news to uh, the follower of God named Paul. In fact, he starts in his incredible letter to uh, the church in Rome, uh, written uh, 20 or more years after the time of Jesus and his death and resurrection. Paul began writing his first letter, uh, Galatia, uh, sometime in the early 50s, scholars believe. And uh, Romans li- written sometimes later, but here's Paul's language. He says, I consider that our present sufferings, you might circle that, this is where we are, isn't it? Uh, our present sufferings, we're either suffering as people, we're suffering from fear, we're suffering as we consider the, the, the staggering loss of life. We're suffering as we worry, could I get this? I went to my doctor in the middle of the week because uh, starting last Sunday afternoon, I came down with an extremely sore throat and uh, a very bad sinus infection and uh, was kind of pretty much laid up pretty much most of the week. Sherry, without asking me, made an appointment at my doctor, so I had to go on Wednesday, which I'm very grateful that she did it. And uh, I got uh, an assurance I don't have coronavirus. Uh, I have sore throat, but I don't have the coughing. I uh, have uh, sinus uh, uh, congestion, but I I didn't have a fever the whole week. I thank God for his goodness, and then I thank God for uh, antibiotics, because I started getting better on Thursday. And so, so you know, uh, I've been, uh, have not had signs other than my scratchy throat uh, for 24 hours, actually 48 hours. And so uh, our staff uh, had a phone call. Uh, I was at home sick. Brandon was home with uh, baby Amari, who wasn't well. Bruce was in San Diego, where he works for the County of Education. And the rest of our staff is here. So we had a group phone call to talk about what's going on and what do we need to do with the church. Uh, and uh, my staff kind of uni- uniformly said, listen, if you sound like you sound today, you probably shouldn't preach because it's not going to inspire a lot of confidence with what's going on. So uh, by God's grace, and uh, Pastor Brandon is ready to jump in if need be, and uh, I, I want to thank a number of people. I want to thank uh, Anissa Penn and Chris Peterson for an extraordinary week of work in a time of trouble uh, to seek to understand what is it that uh, we should do, what is it that we need to do, what is it that we're uh, ordered to do, and what is the kind of best practices for health with our school. And so went through and, and it came, we came to the difficult decision to close our school starting tomorrow for the next two weeks and then we'll adjust and see because we don't know what the future holds entirely. But they did a, an incredible, extraordinary amount of quality work coming up with decisions, meeting with staff, meeting with teachers, meeting with parents and trying to communicate uh, what we're doing and then trying to ramp up and work uh, up uh, very quickly uh, some online options for education uh, during these two-week process. We all owe them a great debt of gratitude. Extraordinary, extraordinary work. And I want to take our, our, our church staff for really prayerfully, really struggling with should we even have a service this weekend? We're blessed that we're not a mega church in the sense that uh, our numbers are under 250. So we could we thought, let's provide something because people need hope. They need comfort. They need encouragement. Let's provide a service. Uh, Chad then volunteered to 
get us online on Facebook Live. Uh, and so we're also able to minister to people at home. And he's, he just told me he's doing this uh, next week for us as well. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we don't know what's happening. We don't know how rules and regulations are going to change or best practices are going to change. So we're kind of just taking it as they're going and asking God for wisdom. But I want to thank uh, Sandy Torrey and Sherry Wilson and uh, Pastor Brandon and uh, Bruce and Chris and the whole uh, leadership team for just good strategic thinking, prayer, uh, seeking the Lord for what we're going to do. They put in a lot of work, and they'll, they'll be putting in a lot of work. But Paul understands that we suffer. We're suffering right now, he says, but it's not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. In fact, not only do we suffer, he says something I think that sounds maybe a little strange to us. He says that the creation, the entire created world, waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Circle that word. We're in trouble. We're suffering. We're frustrated. We're trying to figure out which end is up. We're trying to make sure that we also have enough toilet paper and bottled water and hand sanitizer because uh, you can't get it from Costco or Amazon right now, right? Uh, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope, in hope that the creation itself will be liter liberated from the status quo, the current reality, which is what? The creation is in bondage to decay. We live in a broken planet, a broken world among broken people. Because of the presence of sin and evil in our worlds, our world doesn't work the way that we'd want. And creation itself needs to be liberated from its bondage to decay, to be brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And here's, uh, here's this language again. We know. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. Now, as a, as a man, I can't testify entirely to the reality of the pains of childbirth. And just Women, as I understand it, there's pain involved. Is that correct? I, I know uh, that in my presence, uh, for one of our children, uh, there was a point in time when uh, I just became uh, lightheaded and was ordered by the doctor who was ministering to my wife, sir, you need to go over, sit in that chair in that little room, which was a little bathroom, and put your head between your legs until you come, come to. And uh, I didn't use this language, but uh, John Ortberg uh, once told about a similar situation that he was in with child, uh, the birth of one of his children, and uh, the doctor at some point turned to his wife Nancy and said, uh, uh, ma'am, we're, we're happy to let you know that both your baby and your husband are, are now pinking up nicely. So I, I've been there, but I don't know the pain. And what I think God is saying is we're groaning and it's that bad. It's as bad as some of the worst pain that people can experience. And not only is creation groaning, verse 23, we ourselves, even though we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we know God's presence is with us, we groan inwardly. We groan inwardly as we, as we watch the devastation going on, as we, as we fearfully look at the contagious spread of uh, this virus, even though uh, still the numbers are, are worse uh, to this point uh, uh, than, the, uh, than the flu uh, and the impact that the flu has had right now. But 
we, we, we don't know. There's an uncertainty. Uh, it's called a novel virus. That means it's a new virus, which means we don't have any experience dealing with it. We don't have any cure for it at this point. And we, we, we just are, we're in trouble and we know it. And we're grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, for the redemption of our bodies. Now, as it turns out that the most vulnerable people among us, as we know, that we want to be very considerate of, and that's why we're doing social distancing and offering an online option for today's service, uh, the most vulnerable among us to this, it seems to be impacting uh, older people far more than uh, young kids. We're grateful that the young kids aren't as impacted as deeply, it seems like, to this point. But people who are over 60, so I have the misfortune of falling into three of the categories of the most vulnerable, uh, over 60, uh, some uh, compromised immune system because of some physical things, uh, and uh, some, uh, diabetes. I don't have heart problems, thank the Lord, and I don't have cancer, but those create other problems. And so the most vulnerable among us uh, as we get older, and some of you in this room already are conscious of this, you, you start looking forward to the redemption of your body. You know, when I was young, they had, you'd go to the store and you'd get, based on how much money you spent, you'd get some stamps. Any of you remember stamp, redemption stamps? And you'd collect these stamps, you know, green chip stamps, blue chip stamps, and then you could, you could eventually save them up and turn them in for something better is the idea. Our bodies break down as part of life on a broken planet. So is there anybody else among this young group who would say, Pastor Doug, I'm with you. I'm already beginning to look forward to the redemption of my body because not everything works the way it's supposed to. Can I have an amen? You know? And we go to our doctors and we get antibiotics. They try to patch us up. They try to fix us up. They try to replace stuff that they're able to replace. I saw, I think it was a Frank and Ernest comic this past week where one of them said, you know, when I was young, I was just trying so hard to be hip. And now I'm just worried that my hip will hold, hold up, you know. God, we groan inwardly for the redemption of our bodies. And in uh, this massive health crisis, that's so true. In this hope, he says, we were saved. Hope that is seen, though, hope that's kind of in our hands. It's no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? We don't have the thing that we hope for yet, which is wholeness and health and a future. But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Maybe circle that phrase, because right now, this is where we are. We hope for what we do not have, which is assurance that we'll be saved from this coronavirus and that our world will recover fully from it. So... Kind of obviously the coronavirus tells us, number one, we're in trouble. And number two, our future, our future seems uncertain. If Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You and I right now, we're in a situation, a condition of weakness as a society, as a culture, as a state, as a nation, as a world. We're in weakness. But the Spirit helps us because we do not know what we ought to pray for. I don't understand this virus. Doctors don't understand it fully. We don't have a cure for it. How do we, how do we pray? Our, our future seems unsure. Well, that's the couple things that we know from the coronavirus. Can we open God's word more thoroughly and continue in Romans 8 and ask what 
we know from God, three things that God wants you and I to know today at this moment in human history, in this moment in our life experience. God tells us three things. The first is we are loved. Yes, we're in trouble. Yes, our future is uncertain, but we are loved. I love how Paul puts this in this chapter. Paul says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you have God's Spirit in your life because you believe in Jesus, you are one of the beloved sons and daughters of the Most High God. And you have all the attendant rights and privileges and responsibilities of being a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. And we relish that and we rest in that reality and that changed the way that we assess the fact that we're in trouble and our future is uncertain. We are the children of God. If, if you aren't a child of God this morning, by the way, either here or, or watching online, you, you can simply ask God right now to come into your life and be part of your life. Just pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it right now. Living God, just come into my life right now and make me a, a new person. Take up residence inside my, my body, but inside my life and my circumstances and make me a new person. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross and I trust you now for my life. I believe you're alive and will help me to grow as a Christian. And pray this in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. And Jesus right now has come into the life of people who previously maybe weren't followers of God. If you've decided that today, let us know. Email us, let us know somehow that you made that decision today. The spirit you received, Paul says, the spirit, the spirit God blessed you with doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again that so much of us are living in. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word that uh, Jesus used in his prayers with his father. And it's kind of the, an intimate word. Uh, I was watching NCIS a while back, uh, and the character Ziva, her father was killed, and I remember her holding his body and just weeping over it and saying, Abba, Abba. It, it's so maybe a word that we grew up with, uh, with our mom and dad, mommy, daddy, papa. Our poor grandkids get confused of Stephen and Michelle because, you know, little Ellis, I still remember the first time that she saw both Pop and Papa in the same room. That was a little disordering of myself and Ernie Parrish, right? And she's got two. But, you know, there's privileges when you're part of a family. You can have that intimate contact. I remember one of the things I used to love about, my dad always carried in his suit pocket. In that era, we had to wear suits to church. Thank God for that a change in our culture, I would say. Uh, it's a lot warmer. Uh, but I would, uh, he would carry uh, not mints or Tic Tacs in his pocket. Or they didn't have those. They had something called Sen Sen. Everybody remember Sen Sen? It's basically little black squares of sort of like licorice, right? And so when he was greeting people to close the service, I would come up to my dad because I'm his son, and I would slip my hand into his suit pocket and grab a Sen Sen and go on my way, which was fine until the Sunday that apparently I didn't look closely enough and I had my man in another man's suit pocket. You know, Lucy, you've got some splaining to do kind of a thing there. Being a child of the Most High God means we can, the Spirit tells us, the Spirit confirms that we can pray, Abba. You might want to just practice that. 
just you know, saying, Abba, I love you. Thank you for loving me. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. And here's this. Notice how Paul kind of repeats things to make sure we gets it. That we are God's children. I want you to say that, would you, with me out loud, even if you're at home, right? We are God's children. That changes everything. And then he goes on to ask about verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? And lists a handful of things that he's gone through. Probably most of these things not all of us have gone through. He says, can trouble separate us from the love of God? Anybody here got trouble? Well, we all got trouble, right? As the Bible says, trouble, trouble, trouble right here in West Covina City, right? We got trouble. Do you have hardship right now? Persecution we may not all have, but Christians around the world absolutely suffer persecution for the cause of Christ. Famine, most of us here don't experience famine or nakedness, not able to clothe ourselves. Maybe danger, probably not sword. And he quotes then the psalm, says, the, the Bible says, for your sake, God, we face death all day long. Paul understood. He did face death over and over and over. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, and you and I are followers of the lamb who was slain. We are followers of the, the God who came to live our life and die our death. And Jesus said, I'm dying to his followers, and then said, but you also must take up your cross daily and follow me. Paul concludes, can anything separate from the love of Christ? No, verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors, and here it comes again, through him who loved us. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves every individual who has been stricken with the coronavirus. He loves every individual who has lost their life to this. He loves every individual who is grieving over the loss of someone precious to them. He loves every person who is worried that they might contract the virus. He loves every person who is trying to recover from the virus through him who loved us. And then he gives us another list. He said, I am convinced. I, I, I not only know this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, and here's the coronavirus, nor anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what we know. We are loved. Number two, here's what we know. We are covered we are covered. In the same way, he continues, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Here's what I know. This week, as I've struggled to know, I've had wordless groans this week. I literally couldn't talk. And often just don't know what to do, where to go, what track to follow as we've the worked together, strategized together, prayed together, sought God together. Here's the confidence that when we pray, we know that God's Spirit Himself is interceding for us. God's Spirit Himself. God's Spirit is with me right now, praying for me. That's good news. Now, is that because I'm a pastor? No. It's because I'm a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God. The Spirit of God is with you, and He prays for you, He intercedes for you. And the one who searches our heart, God, our Father, searches our heart. He knows what's on our hearts, what's weighing us down, what our, our fears and dreams are. He knows us intimately. Before we pray a word, he knows what our prayer of our heart is. He knows the mind of the Spirit. 
because, another repetition, the Spirit intercedes for God's people. That's you and that's me uh, in accordance with the will of God. Well, what they, when, then should we say in response to these things? If, if God is for us, I want us to repeat this, if you would, out loud, to circle this phrase and just say, God is for us. Would you do that with me? Do that even at home or in your small group. God is for us. Well, then who can be against us? No one can stand against God. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with that gift of Jesus to us graciously give us all things, answers to the prayers, to the things that weigh in our hearts, to the things that that weigh us down, that worry us, that makes us anxious or fearful. Well, then who will bring any charge against those that God has chosen? Well, no one can because it's God who justifies. Who, who then can condemn us? No one. Jesus Christ, he says, who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, he is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Pause for a second. Full stop. God's Spirit is interceding for you and I every moment of our lives. That's extraordinary news. Did you know that? The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is interceding for you and I at the right hand of God the Father. It's as if we could write our prayer request on a connection card and hand it to Jesus, and he goes, Abba, here's where Doug is. He's at the right hand of the Father. Right now, Jesus is praying for me. The Holy Spirit is praying for me. And more importantly, he's praying for you and those of you at home. He's praying for you. He's available. He's that accessible. We are covered. God is for us. He's not just for us. He's praying for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're praying for you, me, our world right now. We're loved. We're covered Number three, we are called. We are called. Perhaps the most familiar phrase or verse in Romans 8 is Romans 8, 28 and 29. And here's something else that we know. Again, we know that in all things, which means including right now, whatever you're going through before before you heard about this COVID-19 thing, and since in all things, God works. God's not taken aback. God's not surprised by this. In all things, God works, and he works, he says, for the good. He is working right now for the good, and he's working for the good of those who love him. Well, we love him because we know that he loves us, and we are loved, and that transforms us. And in all things, we believe that God is at work. We can't always see it. We sometimes only can recognize it looking back on it in time. But in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, for those who have been called, circle the word called, according to his purpose, because you and I have been called by God and sent to our world to serve. The Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve, and he called us to be followers of him, which means that we're not here to be obsessed with our own health and our own circumstance We're here to what? We're here to serve. And Pastor Brandon's going to come in just a moment and give us a couple of practical ways that we can become servants as the church of Jesus Christ to a broken world. 
You and I have been called, circle it if you haven't, according to God's purpose. And what's his purpose? His purpose is that those that God foreknew, that he knew in advance, he loved in advance, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. What's the good news here? Jesus has a destiny for you and for me. And it's not simply for us to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to welcome him into our hearts. It's that we begin to become like him. And that they come by things like suffering, following Jesus the way of the cross, taking up our own cross, but following in the footsteps of Jesus and acting in love. What did Jesus do when somebody had an infectious disease? The lepers. He brought love hope, and healing. What did Jesus do when people were lonely and isolated? Jesus sought them out. He got at the bottom of that tree and said, listen, Zacchaeus, get down here. We're having dinner at your house tonight. What did Jesus do when people were marginalized by the culture or people who weren't valued by the culture in that era, children and women were not valued as much as they are, I think, in our era, but there's still issues there? Jesus included them. Jesus welcomed them. Jesus allowed them to be part of his family, to be part of his followers. What does Jesus do when we're confused and need direction? He taught us. He gave us direction. He gave us hope. He gave us comfort. And then Jesus ascended back to the Father after his death and resurrection, and he poured out his Holy Spirit on us so we might have life and hope and a future And you and I are called not to be served in this world. We're called to serve. Pastor Ben is going to come and give us some practical things that you and I can, every one of us can do to make a difference at this season. Give Pastor Ben a warm, Bethany, welcome. I'm going to give him the the right elbow of fellowship. Thank you, Pastor Doug. In just a couple minutes before we close our service and worship, I just, some things that Bethany has been, um, as we're thinking about how we leverage and be the church in our community, there are a few, just a couple things I want to share with you because we want to serve those here at Bethany. We want to serve those amongst the most vulnerable in our community susceptible to the coronavirus. Um, and as we know, those are particularly those aged 60 and above. So this is what we want to do, Bethany family. We want to, if you are or know someone who is 50 years of age or older and find it hard to get food from stores, because right now we know that is a difficulty to just find basic things of eating. Um, And so particularly someone that even might be sick and not be able to leave the house who's 50 and above. If you or you know someone who's 50 and above and finding hard to find food, we want to provide you food. We want to provide them food. So in partnership with our leaders who organize Bethany's Food Pantry, we want to get food to all those who are in need. So um, if you're even watching and you're sick, you're 50 and above, hey, and it's particularly more challenging for you to get to a store and wait in those very long lines, you email us right now, info at bethanyonline.net. Info at bethanyonline.net. 
and we want to address those needs. So if you or you know, or if you know someone, but we also see and those of us who are healthy and maybe have some hours in the morning or afternoon who can drive, who can drive a bag of food to someone who's in need because we'll work on gathering the bag, but we need some drivers. So if that's you, you know, hey, you know what, I can, I can drive some bags and we're talking about low to no contact, taking a bag and dropping it off on the front step and leaving. Okay, so low contact or no, no contact, at the very least low contact. If it's apartment, you need to get through a gate or something like that. But we need drivers to take that food. So would you email info at bethanyonline.net and say, hey, I can drive on this day or I can, you know, I have a couple of hours or something like that. And we want to work out because those are, there are those in our community, not just Bethany, our wider community who are in need. Um, and we as Bethany want to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors. And so that is how we are. Are going to do that, okay? All right, very good. And so, and lastly, as we close, I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up. As, as Doug says at that verse, God is for us. God is for us. And so that means as we are in our communities, let us, I want to be very clear in saying this, because this is how we serve and how we be a light in a very dark world. Don't turn away from those who are ill. Right there, there's a lot of pointing fingers. There's, and we, and it's, a, it's probably a natural thing to do. You see someone sick, you know, well, let me get farthest way as possible. Hey, Bethany family, Christ followers, we want to practice the wisdom of all, the, all that our um, health officials have taught us. So we want to practice um, uh, social distancing. But we do not turn away from those who are ill. Do not ostracize those who are ill. Do not marginalize those who are ill. Even those who are not our brothers and sisters who are from China, who are Chinese descent or, or first generation Chinese or Chinese Americans, it's easy to point a finger. It's easy to say, hey, I, I'm gonna get some distance. Oh no, we are the light. Men and women, we will deliver food and we will show hospitality and we will pray. That's what Bethany family will do in the light of our crisis. Can I get an amen? Are we in agreement? Let us rise on our feet as we stand and sing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are in need of hope, there's a God who wants to fill you.